Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm your host, Zach Strachoddle, and today we're diving into the strange and relatively uncharted world of alpha-gal allergy. Let me set the scene. Nestled in the beautiful landscapes of Sydney's northern beaches, with its gorgeous coastline and easygoing lifestyle, life seems perfect. However, in the early 2000s, a strange phenomenon started to unfold. People began experiencing bizarre allergic reactions long after they had eaten anything, and without any previous history of allergic reactions. In the middle of the night, an alarming wave of hives, swelling, and a sudden struggle for breath would grip them, leaving victims in a life-threatening predicament. This is no ordinary allergy, and it left everyone puzzled. Now, this is where I'd like to introduce you to Professor Cheryl Van Unen, the doctor who finally solved the mystery of the allergy in the nighttime. In an unexpected turn of events, these reactions were discovered to have started because of a tick bite. Professor Cheryl Van Unen is a clinical professor at both the University of Sydney and Macquarie University, a consultant physician in allergic diseases and a visiting medical officer at Northern Beaches Hospital, as well as a convener of Tiara, Tick-Induced Allergies Research and Awareness. Professor Van Unen was head of the Department of Allergy at Royal North Shore Hospital for more than 26 years. She is a clinician and medical educator who, in 2007, first described the association between mammalian meat anaphylaxis and prior tick bites. She has more than 175 publications to her credit. Thank you for joining me today, Professor Van Noonan. Could you walk me through how you first discovered this connection between two things that initially seem completely unrelated? People having a tick bite and then later developing this delayed allergic reaction to mammalian meat and other mammalian animal products. Well, Zach, it started about 30 years ago, well, 25 years ago, 1987, I saw the first person with this complaint, but it started becoming quite a common problem from about the late 90s, early 2000s. I was working in an area where I saw almost everybody who'd had an anaphylaxis, and that's unusual, and I had worked there for about 20 years beforehand, so I knew that this was novel. Now, as an immunologist, you have a background of working with the immune system, looking at parasites. Parasites provoke IgE. IgE is involved in parasite defense, and therefore you could see there would be a possible connection between a parasite such as a tick and the production of IgE. And so it seemed that when people were coming in and telling me they had had an anaphylaxis in the middle of the night, and when I asked them in the way that I do about all the other possibilities for allergy, like asthma, rhinitis, eczema, food allergy, and insect allergy, that they'd say, well, I don't have an allergy to an insect, or in fact, a few of them did. They had large local reactions to tick bites. They say, I've been bitten by ticks, doctor. So after you've seen a few people like that, you sort of think, well, ticks are parasites. These people have an allergy. And so you get them in and you painstakingly, they bring in everything they ate the night before. You're desperate because there's no other allergy that takes about three to six hours to get going. So the only thing you can think of is to say, bring all your food in. We'll check you. You can find these small results with food. When you prick the food and prick the person, you say, well, I'd like you to avoid meat. 
And then they do, except somebody shafts them, gives them meat by accident, and they have another reaction. And then when they avoid it again, they don't react. So there you've got mammalian meat allergy, a middle-of-the-night anaphylaxis, and people who've had tick bites. When did the medical community determine that this was a more global phenomenon, as opposed to just a few isolated cases? It's actually been very quick, Zach, because this allergy, from the point of view of being available for people to see in the medical literature is only 16 years old. So there's been a phenomenal amount of work done around the world. So we made the association in 2007, and 16 years later, there's been an enormous amount of work done. So two clinical observations started this all off. One was noting that tick bites and meat allergy were associated, which was the Australian report, our report. And then the other one was an oncologist working in the US, a chap called Dr. Bert O'Neill. And there'd just been a magic bullet called cetuximab introduced. It's wonderful for colon cancer and head and neck cancer. And he was treating people in the southeastern United States, and he noted that there was a really high chance of having a near-fatal or a very serious allergic reaction when this drug was given intravenously. And he thought that's very odd. So in the US, Platts Mills and his group started looking at this cetuximab, and they found the particular part of the molecule, the alpha-gal, that part of the meat, which is the actual allergen within the meat. And that's been added to around the world. This took off like a little bit like a grass fire, really. And then we had the French showing that exercise and alcohol make it worse on the individual episode. We had the people in Sweden, Marianne van Haag and her group. They sliced the tick up. We thought initially that the tick had bitten a mammal and transferred it in its saliva. But in actual fact, that tick's making alpha-gal. And it does that to protect itself against the infection. And because the tick in Australia's had to find a new host, largely because we started getting rid of the foxes, baiting the foxes. So then the tick, we think, is making more alpha-gal. It's in its saliva and in its mid-gut, as our Swedish colleagues have shown. And it's charged with this, it wouldn't have done that before because it's quite used to the fox's microbiome, but now it has to defend itself against the new bugs on the new host. So more ticks have more alpha-cal, and when they inject the person, they actually inject, our tick doesn't have any cement, so our tick has quite a deep feeding tube, a long feeding tube, and that means that the ticks injecting the alpha-cal below the level in the skin where the meet and greet cells of the immune system are. And therefore, the human host, the accidental human host, is now forced to make an immunological reaction to that. And after two tick bites, around 50% of people will make allergy antibody to it, and not the other anti well, the other antibodies as well, but not just the other antibodies. And then when they have meat, three to six hours later, because that's the time it takes for the digestion to release the allergen, they have an immediate, rapidly evolving anaphylaxis when it's injected back into the vein, the inferior vena cava, the largest vein in our body. So do we actually know how many people are affected by this allergy? The actual prevalence is not 
exactly known in a lot of places. The German researchers have looked at that and they went to a tick hyperendemic area in the forest in Germany, Baden-Württemberg, and they showed that about 35% of people where ticks are really what we call hyperendemic or, you know, easy to get hold of, that in those 35%, only about a little over 8% of people would be manifesting mammalian meat allergy symptoms. So one of the problems with this is that you could have around 30% of people positive to the alpha-gal specific IgE, but only around a third of those people will know that. And then this is the problem when you consider the other findings that we've managed to establish, such as the increased burden of coronary artery disease. So this means it's incredibly important for people to just as we used to slip, slop and slap and not do coconut oil 40 years ago, then it's equally important if you live in a tick endemic area to not have a tick bite if you can manage it. Because the reason people have mammalian meat allergy or tick anaphylaxis, which is a separate allergy to a protein in the tick saliva, is that that tick has injected alpha-gal. Alpha-gal has made them meat allergic Alpha-gal has made them sensitized to alpha-gal, which means they could react if they had cetuximab, never having had reaction to meat or never having had an anaphylaxis to a tick. So alpha-gal coats the tick salivary protein, so we've had an epidemic of tick anaphylaxis as well. And that's due to the function of alpha-gal as a sugar coating the protein in the tick saliva and making that more likely to be recognized by the immune system as well. So if ticks cause it, then the one thing we should be doing is not having a tick bite. And prevention is the best approach. So we'd like people who live in tick endemic areas to treat their backyard if they can, ask the pest controller in. We like them to dress for the occasion. Dressing for the occasion involves a long sleeve t-shirt with a crew neck with a long tail, tucked into your long trousers, tucked into your socks, and all treated with the tick knockdown agent, permethrin, if you can. And then the DEET repellent or picaridin applied to the interface between your skin and where your clothing starts. And that will give you up to 99% protection from tick bites. You get another chance though, because if you are bitten by a tick, then what we'd like you to do is to kill the tick where it is. So don't scratch anything you can't see because it could be a tick. Don't disturb a tick because she'll squirt allergen into you as she's trying to get away. And freeze the tick where it is so it can't squirt. And then let that tick detach spontaneously, drop off by itself, because that's the best way of doing it. About one centimetre above the tick you apply this, give it five sprays because that's what we did in the research. And then wait five minutes, have your magnifying glass out, see if you can see the tick's dead, and then wait for it to drop off. If it's not dropping off within a certain time or it's still moving, then give it another five sprays. And yes, you may get a freezer burn, but that's probably better than living your life with alpha-gal sensitization or mammalian meat allergy. So for everyone listening, always remember, if you're bitten by a tick, freeze it. Don't squeeze it. Perfect. And when should someone use permethrin cream? With the children who are under four, the manufacturers of the freezing sprays 
would rather those were not used in children. And there are situations in people who are over four, for example, if it's near your eyes or near your genitals where you can't use the freezing spray. And so the permethrin cream, you can squeeze up a blob on the top of the tube and then touch that to the tick without squashing the tick or disturbing the tick at all, and then the tick will die. And again, you leave that a certain amount of time and then scrape it off with, say, credit cards, something like that, edge of the knife. Do all types of ticks trigger this response? As the entomologist Stephen Toggett will tell you, that in Australia about 99, well, 97% of people are bitten by the Australian paralysis tick, the common name, which is Ixodes holocyclus. We have established in our research that there's a second tick in Western Australia, in the southwest of Western Australia, which will transfer this and around the world. That's been one of the other parts of this, and it's been found a different tick in Central America, different ticks in Japan, different ticks in Europe, different ticks in Africa, different tick in America. So in all, they're probably about 16 different types of ticks around the world. So you can have a tick bite on any continent except Antarctica, and that's probably because you're usually rugged up. And only pigeon ticks, that's right, (laughs) they're pre-frozen. I think that what's actually happening is that on any continent, we should not have a tick bite because any of those ticks can actually transmit alpha-gal and mammalian meat allergy can result. Some ticks are better at it than others. Our Australian ticks, absolutely the tops with causing this. Even when you review the recent estimates by the workers in the US, in the CDC report, Morbidity and Mortality Weekly report of a few months ago, they're only just approaching our 2018 prevalence figures. And I see three or four people a day with this two days a week. So I think that our Australian tick's very good at it. The American tick's very good at it. The European tick will do it, but it's not as common for people to have it when they're bitten by that tick as it is. Tick anaphylaxis is quite uncommon around the world. But Australia, I think, probably close to a little over 500 people with tick anaphylaxis I've seen, whereas the rest of the world is one Californian, one Frenchman, six Spanish goat herds, 12 Japanese people, and they're now 500 plus. And I'm not the only person who sees people with tick anaphylaxis. So this is the second epidemic following the mammalian meat allergy anaphylaxis epidemic. What would you say to someone who has just been newly diagnosed with these allergies? With the mammalian meat allergy, anaphylaxis, and with the tick anaphylaxis, they're both preventable. If you don't get a tick bite, it can't happen. Now, intriguingly, with the tick anaphylaxis, only the adult tick will give rise to an anaphylaxis to the tick salivary proteins. With the mammalian meat allergy anaphylaxis, however, That doesn't happen when you're bitten by a tick. It happens because you've been bitten by a tick and it takes about two weeks for the antibody to form sufficiently often. That happens, you can be sensitized from a bite from any blood-sucking life stage of tick, larval, nymph or adult. So people with mammalian meat allergy 
have a number of tick forms that can sensitize or recharge their allergy, whereas not as many people have ticks bites from adult ticks as have from nymphs. So the tick anaphylaxis people have a better chance of avoiding. And if they don't touch that tick and it's treated, as we said, freeze it, kill it in situ, and then have it removed without any disturbance of the tick or let it detach spontaneously, they don't have an allergic reaction. So we think that if you deal with the tick properly, you're reducing the chance of recharging or developing mammalian meat allergy or anaphylaxis to mammalian meat. So it's all about avoiding the tick. And more importantly, what we've shown recently, so with the tick anaphylaxis, if you've got that, you've got that for decades, like bee venom allergy, jumper ant allergy, any of the other insect allergies. But if you've got the mammalian meat allergy, then what we see is within 12 to 18 months, there's a rapid reduction in the amount of allergy antibody you have directed against the alpha cow. And within three to four years, that's low enough for quite a few people, the majority, to be able to eat meat again. So not only is it preventable, we see it as being curable. How will someone know if they actually have this allergy? Well, when it's an anaphylaxis, there's nothing else like it. And there's nothing else once you've excluded semen allergy and latex allergy that's a middle of the night, drop down, drag them out, anaphylaxis. The diagnosis is mammalian meat allergy after tick bite until proven otherwise. So that's easy. There are also people who develop urticaria or welts, angioedema in the middle of the night. And with that, many people come to you saying, I suspect that I've got the meat allergy now because there's been a fair bit of publicity about it. And they know that there's a gap And then we're seeing a lot of people now that have gut-based mammalian meat allergy where it's faster in onset because it's a local reaction in the gut. So within an hour to two hours, people have eaten the meat and then they have absolutely agonizing abdominal cramping compared unfavorably to that of childbirth by women who've been there and done that. And then there's diarrhea, not usually vomiting, but it can occur in some. And then there's another part of the spectrum where they empty out both ends. This is rare. It's about one in a hundred people do this. And it's what we call food carbohydrate induced enterocolitis syndrome, which is terrible cramps. Both ends empty out. Your blood pressure falls to your boots. You're pale. You're lethargic. And you look as though you're going to die. We give you some fluid intravenously and it's all over within a couple of hours. So that is not an allergy. That's not RGE-mediated, but it's rare. So the majority of people will come in having had a middle-of-the-night anaphylaxis or middle-of-the-night allergy symptoms, typical for allergy, redness, itch, swelling. The three typical findings of IgE, the E for red, blood red. And so that's fairly typical. And then the gut-based ones, as we've discussed, very, very common. If someone is having an allergic reaction, what should they be doing? Take them off, treat them, take them off to the ED and Northern Beaches Hospital ED where we live. It's very familiar with this problem. We do a lot of work. We work together 
And what we've got then is they know about it and then they send them on to us, the immunologists and allergists, to do the testing. So at the moment we're testing for alpha-gal, specific ID towards alpha-gal, to make that diagnosis. And our South African colleagues have done some work on this, bearing in mind the international effort that's been amazing in the 16 years. And they've looked at it and they will give us a figure of 5.5 means you're more than 95% likely to react to meat every single time you have it. And if it's 2.0, whereas normally it's 0.10 or less, that's a negative then if it's 2.0, people will react on a number of occasions. That's harder to put together than an every-time reactor. And this allergy is also known for being an any-time but not an every-time reaction, which also makes it harder to put together. But once you've got that test done, then you've got confirmation. So it's always the clinical side or the history that the person's told you and the confirmatory test. You don't go with the test result by itself. It's got to be confirmed by the patient's story. Do people always have the same kind of allergic response? No, they don't. So when you have a food allergy, there are a group of factors called amplifying factors or the Europeans would refer to them as cofactors, and these apply to all food allergies. It's not just the meat. So if you wanted to have the biggest reaction you could with whatever level of sensitization or whatever allergy antibody level you had to the alpha-gal, you would really eat a lot of the meat. We could go to the local bus stop and 11 out of 10 people would say, oh, yes, if you eat more of your allergen, then you'll have a bigger reaction. But the others people don't really know about. And those others are sleep deprivation, exercise, alcohol with the meal, having had a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, translation Nurofen or Voltaren or aspirin within 24 hours beforehand, putting spice on it. Chili and capsicum contain capsaicin, which is a histamine-releasing agent, which is why the police use it to irritate people so that, you know, if they're doing bad things, they stop. And then you've got some women only react if they're in their premenstrual phase. So any one of these are independent operators. So we have people who will have a few hives if they have a small amount of meat or none. But if they have a roast lamb with a slow cooking and reheating, will bring out the allergen from the connective tissue of the animal where it is. So you've got this broken down, so you've got a big glob of the allergen in this meal. So somebody could have a lamb cutlet and not react. But if they have that slow roasted lamb, a little bit of chili with it, have done their run before they come in for their evening meal, have a lovely glass of wine, and it's a Friday or Saturday night, they can relax. And who doesn't like roast lamb? Who likes meat? So they have a larger amount of the meat, and they have the anaphylaxis then. And so they can be perplexed. Why can I have a lamb cutlet? Or why can I get away with bacon or prosciutto? 
when I've had this anaphylaxis. So initially, patients would be, really? And the idea of a parasite being involved with association with a food allergy, my colleagues as well were sort of, really? But then you see this entire spectrum, and that's all to do with how the amplifying factors are acting in that individual. Where should someone go if they want to get more information about this allergy? There's a website, www.tiara, which is tick-induced allergies research and awareness.org.au or www.allergy.org.au. On behalf of Tiara, I'd like to extend our thanks for Professor Van Noonan for a fantastic and really insightful conversation. A reminder, if you've ever been bitten by a tick, always remember to freeze don't squeeze. For more information on preventing alpha-gal allergy, please visit tiara.org.au where you'll find research papers as well as show notes. Stay tuned for our next episode where I travel to the Garvin Institute to speak with world-leading researchers on alpha-gal allergy and alpha-gal antibodies. Thanks for tuning in to Tick, Tick, Boom.